This podcast was created using Anchor. Boom, 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 See that coming? <laughs> oh, this music is a bop. Yes, go Bo, go Bo. It's your birthday, go Bo. So shout out to Bo Black for hey. that uh, that song. Boy, we we missed that song. Didn't We've we, been babe? away for a while. We had a little hiatus. I probably we, because we're so much closer to the mic now, we can probably turn the input down. Am oh. I wrong? Well, sure. I, I don't feel know. loud in my ears, but maybe that's crazy. we're not we're not clipping. We're good. Oh, okay, fabulous. Yeah, no, we're we're good. Hey, everybody. Hey. Do you like feel like our sound is different or no? Welcome to the, the swirl. swirl with. Bree and Dave. I'm Bree. And I'm Dave. And we're live from Jersey City. Jersey City. City. So we took a little hiatus to kind of move in, get settled into our new digs. And uh, they are digs. They're digs. And if you if you check out the Instagram, there's some photos and little videos of the view of uh, from the Hudson River of the Manhattan skyline and the World Trade Center. And we just wake every morning and look out at that water. Don't we, babe? And we say, my God, how lucky are we? <laughs> I, no? I, I do. I go right into that <laughs> weird free at last voice. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, by the way, just a, a shout out to Bo and his uh, wife, Alex Cartagna. Who is uh, expecting? We can talk about it. Yes, they're, yes. they're expecting. So they're expecting a baby. So congrats, guys, and um, you know, just. Uh, you know, Do you have any tips for them? I, Do you I, have any tips for Bo? Because obviously, you know, I was thinking about Alex because Alex has been going through a lot of um, a lot of first trimester uh, nausea. So um, anybody who's got any um, suggestions about that might be helpful. Bo, you really have nothing to do. You're really just like, <laughs> it's uh, the Useless. first year is just basically just hang out in your studio. And then, you know, Alex will basically be there just like, where's Bo? And <laughs> and you'll be basically useless. Well, no, he will need to make this money. Well, that's right. You're out here making so the money, get Bo. the grind on, call me for a demo, and make this money. <laughs> Um, so, um, <laughs> anyway, sorry we've been away so long, but not sorry. And uh, we're going to do, uh, we got a plan. We have three we more, yes, we got okay. three more episodes before the end of the year. Yes. And that will be season one of uh, The Row with Brian and Dave. That'll be 20 episodes. Um, Which is a very lower channel thing for us to do. It is very lower channel, but that's fine. Um, that's, you know, that's what, that's our, our aspiration is to end up somehow. On, on a lower channel. Channels. Sure. Oof. What about a cable show? Um, so <laughs> here's the, so, so I've got a few little housekeeping announcements to start with. Just in case you guys are worried, I haven't done any prep as usual. <laughs> Which is how we like it. Um, so <laughs> um, for the next two episodes after today, next week we're going to do, I, I, I'm, this is very exciting, but friend of the pod, my mother... Um, Grammy, um, as some may know her, is going to be calling in, and she's going to uh, um, impart her wisdom. The wealth of her wisdom and experience is going to be for you guys to benefit from. So, in the next week, you need to DM us your questions for Grammy. Anything about life, love, finances, apartment dwelling. Um, getting through the pandemic, what it was like in what it was like in, in the Punic Wars. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Grammy is eighty-seven years old. She would hate. That she we... would hate that we're saying this, and I'll hear about it later. But, but it's fine. One of the really cool things is that Grammy and I have the same exact birthday, January seventh. 
Um, so, so yeah. So the last worldwide pandemic we had in 1918. Of course, she can tell you all about how she got through that. So, um, <laughs> but seriously, she's she's witty and wise. So any uh, any questions, uh, just uh, send them. Just DM uh, DM me or Brie, Brianna Marie, or Marco Polo me, or send me an email or text me. Y'all know how you be talking to me. And then uh, I'm Dave Lyrics everywhere else. Um, and speaking of Grammy. Just in case you guys ever feel like you want to support the pod. Oh, yeah. There's a link at the bottom of every uh, set of episode notes to Anchor. And you can actually support the pod um, with your, you know, uh, tax. Cash money millionaires. Yeah, Come on. Tax non-deductible. I'm sure it's not tax deductible. Uh, we're not a charity. But, you know, <laughs> well. we can keep things going here. We can keep things rolling um, if you want to do that. Because the only the only person who actually supports the podcast through that link right now is Grammy. And so we love Grammy for that. So if you want to get on the Grammy train, um, you you need to send us some, some questions for Grammy for next week's pod. And then also, um, uh, you know, click on that link. Um, and then the following week, we'll take questions for, our holiday mailbag, which will be our season finale. This is an idea that I have not heard anything about, and I'm probably going to shut it down. Here we go. But my my <laughs> concept for the holiday mailbag is this should all be questions for Brianna, so that I'm just sitting here reading reader mailbag questions to Brianna. Brianna's going to answer them, and and you know any questions you have, this is your chance. What it's like to be, you should see the the. the, the <laughs> trying to understand what's going on the look that i'm because this makes me think of santa claus but i'm not like well it's a it's a podcast tradition babe is it yes yes it is where where you get where you get you get reader questions and you answer them on the air you know usually we have our own agenda about the things we want to talk about but this holiday mailbag is going to be all about our listeners it's a way to yeah you know it's a it's it's the gift to you kids out there okay well then you guys have to be better about questions because these people are a little bit lackadaisical i know you're listening on your runs or your your rides to the ranch or whatever and it's wonderful but i need you to reach out with these questions think about things and i really think in perspective to the uh uh, the pandemic is what we need to be thinking about because I will tell you over the last two months it's been very difficult for us obviously you guys know you're kind of tracking the journey but I will say we are in a much better position now than we were two months ago actually and I would be happy to share with you sort of tips um, mantras daily affirmations, whatever, how of how we're getting through. Because we're finding a way to get through. Somehow. We've made some big changes, and I would say we've definitely landed on our feet. Um, that's for sure. Like um, cats. Like cats. Unlike the Cats movie, it's Oof. gone very well. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, <laughs> babe, what's on your mind this week? What's uh, what's going on? What do you want to talk about? Well, what's, what I comes think... first? Say it again? What comes first to mind? Well, I think what we talked about in therapy probably comes first. All right, let's go. <laughs> that's the hard stuff. Sure, let's <laughs> let's dive right in. So this is this this episode is going to be called my colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, so Dave. we um we I don't know some of you may know we do couples there. It's not really couples therapy. It's David's therapy session that he has twice uh, twice a month, and I just commandeer it and I make it couples therapy um, about thirty minutes in usually. So I give him the beginning to start with his whatevers, usually politics, because I don't want to hear it. And then I come in and we talk about real things um, like our relationship issues, which usually is not much. And it's usually the same stuff over and over again. This week, it was a little different because we had a moment where we... Um, no, let me just... Let me just... Here we go. Let me just... Here we go with the white splain. I don't want to... It's not white splaining. I just want to... I want to just bracket this. We, since we are a no snark zone on the Swirl with Brian and Dave, when it comes to things having to do with people we know in our professions, we will not mention any names of projects in particular. Okay. Thank you for that. Blind item. So we were watching this movie on Netflix. <laughs> Somewhere. We were watching it on some platform that you watch movies. And it's 
a Christmas movie. Well, anyway. <laughs> I mean, it could be a Christmas movie. We don't know. It could have been, you know. Anyway, so we were watching it and the first number happened because it might be a musical or maybe not. And I was weeping. And I was weeping because I had never seen black people dancing on screen to a, in a musical, singing with so much joy and delight without having to be slaves or suffering first. And it was really inspiring. Did I know what was going on? No, not really. But I was like, I don't even care. And at the end of the number, I turned to David. He had this horrified look on his face, like, what the hell? And I was bawling. And I immediately felt unsafe. And I thought, okay, well, I will just be quiet. And that for the rest of the movie, I kind of policed myself um, and did not really say what I loved. If there were, there were parts that I liked, I won't say loved, but there were parts that were beautiful. Um, and there were things I could appreciate on the production value so much so. Um, and, but I felt unsafe to say those things because I had this, this white man next to me and also these white people, my, my, (laughs) who are these white people? It's my family. It's the people I've chosen, but it's very important that I I think it's as an, in an interracial relationship, uh, everybody needs to feel safe in any relationship. Right. But especially in an interracial relationship and especially right now. I needed to feel because I was trying to share my culture. I'm always trying to share my culture and the things that my mother did or the dances we did or how we acted at holidays or, you know, we were very quirky. We are a very quirky family. Um, and I don't get to see my mom's side of the family as much, but even on my dad's side, we're all, all we do when we get together is like have fun and dance and listen to music and eat food. And so it's really important that we do those things, even with my white family. Even, and actually, it's really fun. Maddie and Brandon are always like saying yes. And actually, you're usually saying yes to it. But for this particular night, you were not saying yes to it because you were so uh, bothered by the story value of the piece. And, and it was weak. It was very weak. But you know what? It didn't really matter because it was so important. And there are lots of things like that that we watch, like Lovecraft Country on HBO, like Insecure, things that sometimes we go story-wise, nothing is really happening, and I wish it were better. But ultimately, the bigger picture is that we're seeing Black people in a new way on screen, and that's more important than anything. Um, so for me, this was that situation, and I, I felt unsafe in the room, and you know, even I felt like Maddie and Brandon were actually trying to be sweet about it, more sweet. And they were kind of like, you're being really harsh to you, David, but you weren't having it because you were then triggered because it's upsetting when you see so much money and production put into weak, a weak story. And it's like, I'm sitting here. I know what you're feeling like. You're like, I'm sitting here. I've got seven musicals and plays on tap that are brilliant and I'm waiting to be produced. Meanwhile, this is being produced on a high level worldwide and it's upsetting. I get it. It's the way I feel when I look at performers who can't sing, who have no sense of pitch, who don't know their voice and people go, oh, they're amazing. And then they have 40,000 followers or however many on Instagram. I get very upset because they're not craftspeople. Those are like hot things for the second. And so I get it. But for me, it was a bigger issue of just feeling safe to feel the way I wanted to feel. And I wanted to feel pride for what was happening on the screen. Do you have anything to say for yourself, David? Well, first of all, I, 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 I yes, I have, much, I have many things to say. I want to make sure that I get to the part where, you know, I recognized after the fact, and certainly in when we talk about it in therapy, I recognized the dynamic of you know, like three white people kind of ganging up on the black person. And the fact that I was a participant in that, even though it was entirely inadvertent, was mortifying. And you weren't me. ganging up on me. You were just ganging up on the movie, which felt like you were ganging up I on understand. me. I understand. No, and I understood that. And, I, and it was it was well, a it's horrible... Not for you, it's for the viewers. It was a horrible... The listeners. <laughs> the listeners. Uh, it was a horrible feeling. And I, and I still... I really do apologize for being so insensitive to that dynamic happening. 
So leaving that part aside, I want to just say, and leaving even me out of it in, in terms of, you know, yes, of course, that dynamic that we all have as artists of, you know, well, how can they spend $40 million on that piece of shit? And, you know, I can't get leaving whether my pieces are worthy of being produced or not. Leaving me out oh, of it they entirely. Are. Thank you. But leaving me out of this entirely, um, the to 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 put it down to, you know, with this or even Lovecraft Country, to put this down to, you know, where there were story problems is really to diminish the issues. When I when I turned to you after that opening number and um, saw you crying, I should have recognized immediately. What I did, I recognized it, but I didn't prioritize it. Mm-hmm. I recognized instantly that the fact that this obviously beautifully produced, designed, costumed shot orchestrated um i mean on the highest of levels uh material that was representative uh you know that was representing black people in a way that they rarely get to be seen where it's not about oppression and slavery and Mm -hmm. and 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 all of that you know is is a cathartic experience for was a it was a clearly cathartic experience for you i understood all of that immediately intellectually but my orientation whenever I look especially at a musical because it's my thing is not just the story but the book the music the lyrics what's happening with the choreography with all of what what, to me at the root of it is book music and lyrics because I'm a book writer and a lyricist and then the music um and those three fundamental elements for me were so aggressively um incompetent Mm -hmm. uh that it just it didn't matter to me the fact that that it was a that it was representing black people in this way because that's not my orientation to anything and even when we we consume a lot of black entertainment together and nine times out of ten you and i'll turn to each other and you know if it's if it's i may destroy you we go oh my god this is fucking brilliant but if it's Lovecraft Country, we'll go, okay, this has got a lot of problems. So for me, it was just going to be one more of those moments where but I was going to turn to you. what you didn't realize is that I also, music theater is also my thing. Um, and so I was much more inside of the this piece than I would be a Lovecraft because I'm not a television person. I'd love to be. But that's not what I do. That's not what I've been studying for 15 20 years so my career is also music theater and I wish that a movie like this was around when I was a kid because my family still doesn't really understand what I do and how that is a living um and so maybe if there had been some representation like this they would have gone oh okay well this is a real thing that people do and it's kind of like television or you know movies and you can do theater and you, that doesn't mean you're gay or you're weird or you're quirky or whatever. And it doesn't mean you're a starving artist. You can actually make a living of it. So for me, that w- it was wrapped up in all of these these old feelings of frustration because a lot of people still don't understand what I do and how I fit in this world. Um, it's it's and I know that's you probably think it's crazy and some of our listeners think it's crazy. But when you come from just like a middle class family in the middle of Kansas City, Missouri, and you go to all girls private school and, you know, it's a very math and science school and you stand out as the girl who likes to sing, you know, it's just, it's not expected that you would live in New York and be on Broadway multiple times and, you know, have the life that we have. It's just like one out of, you know, a thousand people that happens to. Um, And so for me, I just wished that it it was around when I was a kid. Um, And that's what I was moved by was that there are little kids, there are little black girls and boys who will see it now and they won't be made fun of, you know, or the little black boys won't be called gay or a fairy or whatever. They'll be respected because they actually have talent, you know, because someone saw it on Netflix and it's so silly and simple, but real. Yeah. And I, and I'm really moved by that too. I mean, I, I, I'm moved to tears by that, but it's so undercut by the fact that I'm 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 just watching something that is just absolutely you know not yeah and that is something that's like a thing 
that we will have to deal with for the rest of our lives, you and I, because I will always see things through a prism of being an African-American woman with my certain past. And you will just not. I'll be looking at, I'll be looking at and anything. You, well, you will have we... to make the choice to see it from where I do. And in that moment, you made the choice not to yes. make it a priority. You re- would rather live where you want to live, which is... What was the music which doing? Was what was the, the story doing? Right. What was the book doing? What was the dialogue doing? What and was the, I, what were the and I like doing? to live there too. But at that point, it meant really too much just that it existed. I understand. You know? I mean, because you had, I, I, you know, you had the Brandy Cinderella, which was fantastic Ugh, and yes. important, but it's also written by old white men who are dead. So I understand the difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I just, you know, on a very basic level, you know, a musical. Um, I mean, it it it, well, de- people, it delivered sorry. a lot of joy, and it delivered this this one delivered a lot of uh, <coughs> beauty, uh, visually certainly, but in terms of did the story cohere? Did it make any real sense? Did it, you know, was it just a mess? Was it all over the place? And when the songs happened, did they actually have any did sort they of tell any story? Did a character change? Did you know? And was the craft of the lyrics mm-hmm, something that mm-hmm. was those are all things that I value as well, but just the fact the racial component of it was meant more to me in that moment and I just didn't want to have to you know I kept saying to you afterwards like I would have come to these same conclusions had you not been making faces and putting your head in your hands the whole movie and stopping it every five minutes to talk about why that part was bad I would have come to the same conclusions, but you didn't let me come to my own. You just sort of inserted your own opinions through the whole thing, which is annoying. Yeah, I get passionate about this stuff, and that <laughs> that uh, translates to me being a sensitive asshole sometimes. So. But, you know, I do the same thing when I hear a singer that I really don't want to hear, and all I hear is bad habits. Right. Um, or like off the voice singing. I get the same way, and I'm like, I, I-, I can't listen to this. I get it. And, and you're always like, huh, what? I mean, because you know what it is, but you can see past it and I can't. So I understand where it is, but I've never, we've never had um, that issue before. No, I, we really haven't. It was definitely a, 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 it was, it was a one-off insofar as, like I said, you know, when we're, when we're watching Black Excellence in whatever form it is, we celebrate it and we recognize it. We see it all the time. And when we see the opposite, we also look at each other and are generally in accord about it. But I think this was a this was a, a confluence of the fact that it was a musical, the fact that it was all original, the fact that it was, you know, mm-hmm. that these kinds of resources and personnel were lavished upon it. Um, it, it, it was it's really unlikely that those kinds of resources and personnel are lavished upon any project and the and the end result is so uh, deficient in so many fundamental ways because by the time usually those people have signed on uh, it's because the material's great like Black Panther I mean you know mm-hmm. Black Panther mm-hmm. is just you know fucking miraculous but it's miraculous whether it's miraculous not just because it's you know by and for and about black people it's miraculous as a movie as well right um and so this was a case where because of a weird uh, confluence of 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 power of power dynamics behind the scenes you ended up with a with a with a a, a creative result that was really at odds with the with mm-hmm. the resources mm-hmm. that had been thrown at it. So well, and that almost ha- never oh, happened. Well, I won't talk about that because then it'll be really clear what the movie is okay. if it isn't already. If it but... isn't already, and I know people are going to hate me now, and I've probably like really pissed. No, off. But it, I mean, but this if I have, just write in and send us a message. This is imp- no, no one's going to hate you, but it's important, like, to know that these are real issues that happen inside an interracial relationship. I just think even when you really get each other and you see eye to eye and you understand like there are moments there are lapses or there are just misfires and it doesn't make me hate him or make me go oh he's so white like I mean I always say that but because he (laughs) is but he's also Jewish so it's different but you know what I mean like I just I think this happens more often than not and people don't talk about it a lot because interracial relationships already get a lot of flack uh, especially from black people. Um, so, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Did we get through it, babe? 
we, oh my God, we got through it. And we talked about it in therapy. We're so good now. I mean, look, I'm, I think you're probably on your toes from now on. Yeah. Which is great. It's good to be on your toes. You know, and I keeps, think, keeps keeps things fresh and, and alive. I think our therapist had a really good, some really good advice. She, she just said, you know, when you start to see, you know, things like that, that trigger you or make you upset because it, so many resources have gone into a, a product that's not great. Just try to think of it as like how blessed you are, how, how privileged you are that you've had um, people the right people teach you how to do the craft and that you would know the ways to fix those issues. And, and because of your training and your, the lifetime of opportunities you've had and, you know, just to think of it like, yes, I see these issues, but the, these are the wonderful things about it. This is why it's important. And I have the history and the past that I could be able to come in and fix these things. And that's cool or not. No, I, I think that's I think that's right. I mean, the idea that wow, I'm you know, the good news is is that I've had the experiences that have enabled me to actually wa- watch this with a critical eye mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and comprehend. Because a lot of people don't know anything; they're watching it and they're just happy, and it makes you feel a certain way, and it evokes these certain images from other movies, and you're like, oh, I love it, and you you don't know how to have a critical eye because you don't know anything about the craft. But, but you're also having a visceral experience, I, I'm i sure, of when things are not exactly what they should be or what it's telling me it should be. You have some sort of experience. I definitely agree with that. Which is, well, it wasn't, it didn't really make sense there. It wasn't quite right there. I didn't really know. I, I didn't really move me, but I thought it would. Those kinds of mm-hmm. feelings, and that's really at the, the the solutions to those problems and those are huge problems especially in a musical which is really about a musical is about how do you convey an emotional experience right um and and if you come up short for some reason when everything is telling you what to feel and how to feel and that you should feel that way um it's 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 not it's of, not readily apparent all the time how you would accomplish that and a lot of people are we we've talked about this too they come to the experience with their own experiences like locked and loaded, ready. So when they are crying and weeping and watching the movie several times, they're bringing, it's yeah. all their own they're experience. They're filling it in for they're themselves. They're filling it in, right? They're filling it what they need and that's to have what that experience. A, yeah, that's what a lot of directors and, and writers, uh, bad ones, um, <laughs> that's what they rely on, is you to bring your own. So and they it, don't have to. It, and and, and, and because perfect, they can't figure out how right. to actually make that So the perfect thing. idea would be so that you, you provide like the emotional bang but then also people can insert themselves where they want to well the 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 goal is to uh um, to connect to the uninitiated you know mm-hmm. the person who's not mm-hmm. bringing that in yes. and would look at you baffled you know that you were having an emotional experience which had totally left them cold and the right. really you know the the really the the shows the, the pieces of art that endure are the ones that can really penetrate the heart universally in that way um you know where it really doesn't matter what your experience is mm-hmm. other than being a human being yeah so anyway we've given a lot of time to this but that was our big issue this week because it uncovered a lot of other things and i was saying to david i think if we had been in our old place that would i don't know that we would have discussed this but i think f- coming here and freeing ourselves of the little box we lived in and all of the anxiety that comes with walking around Manhattan, especially, you know, when there are lots and lots of homeless people or lots and lots of uh, hypodermic needles or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Like there's a certain anxiety that comes with that and you're just trying to survive through that and make it livable through that. So now that we've we've moved here and we have this huge uh, life upgrade um, we're able to sort of dig deeper because there are other issues now. There are deeper issues now, like feeling like dealing culturally with our holidays and feeling seen and feeling like I, I it's important for me to celebrate Hanukkah with you and and all of your family. And we're doing a Hanukkah as mothers named it a Hanukkah Zumaka. We're doing that next week. And it's just like it's important that we have everybody's culture and and history represented and so yeah I think for me it was important this Thanksgiving to sort of infuse I always say I want to watch soul food on Thanksgiving because that was what our family did and why have we not done that 
you know, I think Maddie didn't want to watch it last year. And now she's in a different place now. I think she would now. Because everybody has to understand, like, I don't just want you to watch Soul Food. It's an okay movie. But I want you to watch Soul Food because I want to share my own historical experience with you. Because that's what I grew up watching. And I think it's, like, really iconic. And it's, like, so it's my family to me so yeah, i speak for all the goldsmiths when i say we would love to watch soul food <laughs> we, we are we are eagerly awaiting the opportunity to watch soul food yeah but i think it, it it also it has to do with people coming out of themselves and seeing things differently and so for me i probably didn't i know i've always been into hanukkah i've always been into the lighting of the candles you love the jews I do. You yeah. do. You're, you're, and I've really been into Latkes my whole life. You're so. an honorary <laughs> member of the tribe, for sure. And especially now, you've married in. Yeah, well, I need to start using your name. <laughs> I would love that. I know, I, I need to like file the paperwork. It's quite intense. If you guys know how to do that, let me know. Oh, yeah. I do mean, I know how to do it. It's just annoying. Yeah, if you've done it, DM. Um, what else did you want to talk about? Well, that I covers that my me. that covers that covers me. I, I think it's. Uh, I think let's we can... talk about our new house and like. Oh sure. Are we able to talk the moving experience and? It was a very moving experience. <laughs> you know, David has equated moving with trauma because I think how many times did you say you moved when you lived in L.A. Uh, well, I mean. Uh, that's really not even the the gauge. I mean, I go back a long, long way, and you know, I when I first moved away from Cincinnati for real after college, I lived in I moved eleven times in twelve months in Manhattan. Then I moved Oof. to Chicago a year later. Then I moved to L.A. And then once I moved to L.A., I must have had I don't know in the twenty eight years I lived in L.A. I'm sure I lived in six or seven places so it's know. kind of traumatic for him it's just it's, and, you get to a point where it's just it's enough 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 is enough I'm, and i don't i don't have that history i love moving actually because i love first of all letting go of things that are just around your house that are just sitting that you go oh i don't want to take this to my new space i love that i love just sort of clearing out and making space for new things new experiences new people so I I get very excited about moving and every time we've moved we've only moved tw- we've only, we moved into our first apartment together 3 years ago on the Upper West Side and now this is our second move and I've handled both moves because I just love taking inventory I love telling people what to do I love packing things and putting special tape on it I love color coding rooms I mean I'm that way so for me it's like a very joyous experience but I think this time you had a lot of fun well so it's just it's very simple just um, marry someone or choose someone who sees <laughs> light where you see the darkness mm. and and, uh, and then everything will work out um, I mean, we That's see true. we see light in the same places, and uh, I think the places I see dark, you see a lot of light, and I think there's probably a little bit of that in reverse. Yeah. Um, but that's really, you know, I just got uh, well. I chose well. What can I say? And so it, it was a great move. I had a great time. Ah! <laughs> I do agree. It went really quickly. We put everything up and in and installed and on the walls and you know. Yeah, I I I was in the middle of doing an on another online concert gig and. I was rehearsing and shooting some of it before we left and rehearsing and shooting for about two weeks after we got here. So I knew that I needed to have the apartment shootable within three days of moving. So and all but so that was something that put us under a deadline. But at the same time, both of us are like that. We don't like boxes in our house. No, we have, I've never been the person who like I live in boxes. Oh, for my weeks. God. I no. can't do it. Um, and, and people who don't have pictures up and they're just leaning against the wall on the floor. It's a no-go for me. Um, so we had this place un- unpacked, cooking in it, living our lives within two days, which was wonderful. The other thing that I will say about the move, which I really didn't realize until I was kind of in the middle of it, because I've always done this when I had to do it, was so my dad, who passed away five years ago, uh, was a very handy person. He had... He had a, you know, he always had a tool workshop and he was always building things and he was a carpenter and he was he had, he had a he had a plumbing and electrical supply company for a while and I was always completely disinterested in all of that growing up 
because I was I was conducting Off singing music. I was with conducting Corgi and Bess in my in my bedroom uh, to the Imaginary Orchestra. But uh, I actually have some facility for that that I kind of picked up from him, and this time kind of just leaning into that and setting up this apartment. I realized was a way I felt very much that he was with me. I felt his spirit in me. And that really was a kind of a joyful healing thing. Cause I, it was a way of having him, you know, through me with me, uh, when we set this apartment up. So, Oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to make you cry, babe. I'm premenstrual. <laughs> oh, that's so good to know. I love when I get a warning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm also crying because I felt that way since we came here. Like, I've been channeling my mom a lot. Mm, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, babe. Talk about it. No, I know. I'm just getting emotional. It's good. Um, We'll edit that out. No, because... No, we <laughs> edit won't. Edit the space out. No, the space... This, I don't edit anymore. <sighs> yes, you do. So, the... Um, so... Coming to the space, first of all, our new apartment is is brand new. It was brand new renovated, so we don't have anybody's uh, nasty energy up inside it. And that's true. It's beautiful new floors. We have an outdoor balcony now, which I've put like ivy around the railings and outdoor lights. And we David's got these incredible views in his office. We have a view from every room, but. He's got two windows in his room and it's just like so, and there's circulation. Our old apartment didn't have good circulation, which is important to me. I need fresh air. Circulation is important in apartments and extremities. <laughs> so true. So when I got here, I was so excited to have a space for everything I had. And we had all these lovely presents we'd gotten from our registry that we just had to sort of stow away in our old apartment. But now it's like suddenly the food processor is just out and the slow cooker is just out. And it felt so good to just get it and just use them. And then so I just have been baking a lot and cooking a lot because it's so fun to cook in a big kitchen on a nice cutting board, you know. And Thank you, Mel and Scott. Thank you. So I, I've been channeling my mom a lot. I've been pulling out my recipe book and you know, cooking the things she made and wearing my apron and, you know, playing Yo-Yo Ma on the television. <laughs> I don't know why it's well, Yo-Yo Ma. Well, one day I said, what what music do you want? Because I got the new, uh, we got the new TV with the new oh, sound bar. Oof. So now we can play through. Uh, if you don't have a sound bar, you need to get one stacked. So uh, I put on the uh, Pandora and I said, well, what kind of music do you want to listen to? She said, she said I don't know. You know, maybe something by Yo-Yo Ma. So I, I created Yo-Yo Ma Radio and the rest and it's is just so wonderful because it reminds me of when I was a kid and I would go over to my best friend Vicky's house and her family, very artsy. They have a beautiful frame store in um, Kansas City. Ward and Ward, shout out. But anyway, they had a classy house that had the music playing in every room. It had an intercom and it, they would always play classical music. So to me, I equate it with like, like a family that's very lived in, that has like wonderful traditions, that has great parents. Like it's all like a nice. So for me, I wanted to just create that same feel. I've been going back to things that like I loved when I was a kid and just trying to implement them into my our new home, which feels much more like our home in our space. Um, we also have our we also have a washer and dryer in our new home, which is like <laughs> life changing. It's life changing. If you've never had one. You, you, if you get one, you're never going to go back. I, we can never go back to before. Let's have it, babe. No? Okay. No, no. I'm not warm. Uh, okay, um, not warm. <laughs> <laughs> we can never go back to before. <laughs> I'll do it. See, oh, I'll do God. it. I know you always will, won't you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're feeling, well, that's really interesting that we're both channeling our parents here. That's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. I feel so, uh, liberated. Uh, this is a good thing. We looked at each other and just kind of, we kind of can't believe that we haven't done this earlier, but it took a pandemic and sometimes that's what it takes to move, you know, to the next level. Things have to kind of completely fall apart before you can put things back together in a new way and we and i think this is probably this lesson of like self-worth 
you know, like we're worth having this beautiful apartment. And the funny thing is we're saving money living here. Of course, we're in New Jersey across the water. We're the closest to Manhattan you can be without being in Manhattan. Um, well, well, we'll say the boroughs, but. Um, no, we're, we're, we're the first stop off the path train. And when this, uh, when the COVID's over, we'll be uh, right upstairs, right down, right downstairs will be the Harborside Ferry. And we'll just uh, take that. Just tell everyone where we live. Okay. Um, anyway. I'm not worried. It's very, it's it's just super convenient. And it, when and if Broadway will come back and when it does and if we're a part of it, um, we will be fine getting to the city within a half an hour, which is from door to door, which is great. And actually less than my commute when I lived up in the Heights. So we're really excited for this new thing. But I think we needed this to know that we we could have this life for ourselves and now we will live like that from here on out which I think is important for you to sort of take on the things you want in life why are you looking impatient no oh no no I'm not impatient are you just stretching yeah okay um so we love our new place and one day when the pandemic is over you're all invited over for dinner and that leads us to To this week. week In Gaggery! What you got, babe? No, oh, I haven't even. <laughs> All right, so I got a few things. All right, so first, I want to. So we're on the subject of musicals. You know how you know how like what an asshole I am about musicals. But I did see something that's not like amazing, but super super cute and actually really really well done. Okay. That uh, you probably got, you you saw, but if you didn't, I just want to give a shout out to it, and you should go check it out. James Corden did a segment on his I show. I showed you that. Oh, you should. Okay, great. Well, that's my This Week in Gaggery, one of them. Mm-hmm. It's called Thanksgiving the Musical. A kid on TikTok, uh, Dan Mertzluft, I believe is his name, um, who had done a Ratatouille musical, which I did not watch, so I don't know if that's any good. But I did see this Thanksgiving the Musical thing he did. But what's so sweet about it was was that um, James, James Gordon yeah. got him on the, on the air, and he had put his little musical together which he had done by himself or with his family uh so he got you know some of our broadway luminaries of all time to uh to perform it for him on zoom and and his reaction to you know as as one at a time mm-hmm. you know patty lupone and audra and um you know whoever i don't remember the other people I'm sorry. uh you know Kristen chenoweth <laughs> oh yes and, yes yes and uh and um uh, oh my god olaf Oh, Josh Gad. Josh Gad. Yes. Um, and He's it, the turkey. And James. It was really, it was really, really charming and fun and well done. It made my, did my heart good. Then there was the story about the monolith in the Utah desert. Oh, yeah. Which you really should just, if you haven't seen that, you got to check that out. Just That's a gaggery for it, you? Well, this art installation or something, or maybe Martian, you know, um, visitation in the middle of the Utah desert showed up this big... A three-sided silver monolith that reminded everyone of 2001 just appeared and it's actually really difficult to get it up there it, it, it seemed like a rather almost unlikely feat for human beings to accomplish somehow it showed up there with no um attribution no credit nobody claiming responsibility for it um just kind of a a beautiful little you know um you know, stunt that uh, that I loved. That's um, not gaggery to me, but go ahead. Um, and then <laughs> let's see what else I got. Um, oh, I've got well, we've got three television things we've been watching. Which I we can talk about. One is the Undoing, the Andouin, which we refer to as the Andouin because it's very classy. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't getting a great deal of people liking it, but we kind of liked it. I thought it was okay until the last episode, which was better. You liked the last episode. I'm reading a lot of people. My manager thought it was tone deaf, and I think I agree. Tone deaf how? Just like the last thing you want to hear about is like this white, well-to-do, rich family um, getting themselves into trouble and a white woman sticking up for um, a man who's a murderer and, you know. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. You know, it's... Yeah, it's just an int- it's like the last thing you want to see right now. But you know, they probably read that novel three or four years ago before anybody. Of thought, course, of know. course, of course. 
That's before just the, people were woke. The production pipeline. We've been watching, after that, Murder on Middle Beach, which we're sort of enjoying. Sort of, yeah. Um, and then the really great one that I know probably a lot of you have seen that we loved was The Queen's Gambit. We loved oh. it. <laughs> <sighs> that girl gets it. Yeah. You liked uh, You liked her. I love everyone in the show. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. That's it. There's nothing. I mean, that's the best thing I've watched in a long time. Yeah, it was really well done. It was everything. And if you haven't watched it, please sit down and watch it. Especially if you're an artist. Because I kind of liken her sort of... She's like a prodigy with chess, right? And I kind of liken that to myself with music and all of my peers. I Just artists, David with his writing. Like, there's just some things you're just innately good at. And if you're lucky, those get revealed to you at a young age. And um, so I just, I just loved watching her learn her craft and not just rely on her natural abilities. And, and it was just a, a big microcosm, right, for, for life. And I also thought that the connection that they drew between a gift, an exceptional, extraordinary gift, mm-hmm. um, and addiction was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really yes, resonant. Yes, yes, because yes. I think so often those two things go hand in hand. Yes, yes. And it was really artful and um, incredibly um, you know, engaging for me, that, that whole... And not to mention, like, artistically, production-wise, it was stunning. Yeah. Beautiful to look at. Beautiful. Oh, my God. This is really, interestingly enough, it's a really golden age for television right now. Because because these these places, Amazon and Netflix, my God, 10, 15 years ago, if you told me the the, the major movie studios are going to be Amazon and Netflix, I pass, especially for television. But, I mean the resources they're able to throw at this and I will I'll throw Mandalorian in with it. Oh yeah. Boy Mandalorian is good. Really good. Disney Plus. Um but uh, yeah, Anya uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Mhm. So good and and who's the black girl? Moses What's her yeah. last What's her last name? Um Moses Ingram is wonderful on wonderful. it. And the way her story is integrated, Ugh. and yeah, it's so good. Th- there's there was a moment we were watching in um, what was the show, Babe, where the black character. I think it was something we just started watching with Merle. Oh, um, oh, the flight attendant. Yes. Oh, which we also are really enjoying. Which we love. Yeah, there are these moments, and there's and there's a moment like this now in one of my shows, which really reminded me of where the black character is having to explain to the white character the difference between mm-hmm. being a black person in the world right now, what that means, versus what you as the white person yeah. are experiencing. And it's the kind of moment you would never have had in these stories. In the in, well, people in, are in too the, afraid to say it. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it's just glaringly obvious now. Like it's glaringly obvious that. If you're in, if I'm in a room with a bunch of white people, everyone knows that I had to work probably three times as hard as all of those basic ass white girls to be in that same room and be singing that music. You know what I mean? Like that, that happens to me a lot where, and, and then I can sing that music and also sing like the music you think I should be singing, like the black musicals. Um, and, and so like, that's just something, you know, in your head and your, and your gut and every other black girl knows or black person knows but now it's like everyone can talk about it because yeah. it's it's just the truth now and it would it would be a factor and it would come out it was the kind of thing in, a, in an era you know before black lives matter and before george mm-hmm. floyd in 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 popular culture you know the the goal always would have been you know that that blackness isn't an issue and we're not seeing race and of course that it is a factor now so to see in these in the queen's gambit and in the flight attendant um to see that there's a moment where the those kinds of issues come up organically and get addressed yeah i think successfully is really um you I know I, I enjoy that and one more thing which i just want to speaking of flight attendant i want to just give a shout out to um, um our friend griffin matthews who uh is really i think making a really incredibly funny. great impression really so funny. so funny on the flight attendant uh griffin uh, well, you know what he's doing he's doing their choices that are authentic to him and they're not strange like they're not new to us i don't know him i've only met him one time but or twice but um he they're not new to me they're not new to like um black men in theater like 
they're they're so a lot of black men in theater are witty and funny and fast and just so smart and and of course like wickedly talented and so he's all he's all of those things but his skills really translate to film beautifully yeah and so you might think oh i'm watching this kind of different there, there are choices that aren't mainstream that he's doing um yeah and he's they're putting, really good he's putting his stamp on this character this sort of you know sidekick character that, yes you know, and, and you can tell that they're he's bringing so much of himself yes. in, in these line readings that on the page would read flat but the spin that he's able to put on them mm-hmm. uh you know is really all his own and generally successfully funny like i laugh out loud funny in a way that you know it, it is not necessarily it, as i'm sure is well beyond what could have been hoped for uh when that character was uh first uh, conceived so bravo to you griffin i'm so proud yeah, of yeah and also like if you're you know looking for something to watch flight attendant is on hbo hbo it's uh, i hope you got hbo max y'all but if you do do tune in because it's very like kind of what is it it's like comedy yeah. horror it's not horror it's it's it's, it's it's well it's kind of horrific it's kind of a comedy you know thriller yeah but, yeah uh, comedy thriller but it's it's, uh, it's super fun we're having Cuoco. a good time with it kelly Cuoco. We lo- kelly that's not her name kelly Cuoco. kaylee kaylee you know i get my kelly's and kaylee's mixed up <laughs> But anyway, so that's it. That's all I've got. So that was uh, that was it. Unless you got something else, babe. Oh hell, hold on. You know you're looking for something. My my wife has picked up her 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 her. Sorry, cell phone. I just wanted to make sure that was her name. It's Kaylee Cuoco. Kaylee, you're right, Cuoco. Oh, and what's the name? Zoja Mamet. Zoja Mamet. She's she's really funny. She's good I love on it. her. Yeah, it's really good. She's funny in everything she does, but she's really good on this. Michael Heisman, good. Mm-hmm. I don't know him, but he's great. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, Rosie Perez, great. Great. It's so, nice to see her on screen again. Yeah. Can't understand anything she's saying, but okay. she's great. Now, now David, you could, no, David couldn't understand anything I she was saying. I definitely could have, I would have benefited from uh, <laughs> I said to David, I was like, you know she's Puerto Rican, right? <laughs> yeah, I've known that for 35 years, but didn't help. Um, anyway. Anyway, that was all we've got for this week. In, in Gaggery. <laughs> all right, babe. So it was a good welcome back episode. Yeah. We're back. Um, yeah. Do so, we have anything else? Yeah, I've just got a little bit of uh, political uh, housekeeping to do. Remember that the Georgia runoff is coming on uh, yes. January 5th. So... For those of you who have friends in Georgia, just know that this is as important as this last election was, which we really just got by in a kind of a squeaker. Yeah. Especially considering down ballot what happened, uh, which is we actually we had a net loss of seats in the House and uh, we did not perform nearly as well in the Senate. You know, babe, if, if we were going to rig this election, we really should have thought about <laughs> how to get the Senate back as well, which we apparently weren't smart enough to do. But uh, we're smart enough to rig it, but it, not quite smart enough. But um, so remember that uh, the voter registration, if you have friends in, in Georgia, it ends a week from today, which is, uh, well, whenever this drops, but it it's December 7th. And you need to make sure that you're registered because they keep purging voter rolls on a daily basis. So the the idea is go every day to make sure you are still registered in the state of Georgia and tell your friends and family who live there. Mm-hmm. You need to go and check every day to make sure you're registered until the 7th because that's when registration ends. Early voting starts on December 14th uh, and then election day is January 5th. And we really, really need to turn this vote out and get these two Senate seats so that we can get something done in the next four years. Because what will happen is if things don't happen in the next four years, our side will get very disaffected. They yes. won't necessarily attribute it to what the mechanics are in in, in uh, Washington that we did not provide. And they'll go out and they, they will not vote again in the midterms. And then we're really, really back to where we were yeah. a few weeks ago. Go to ballot request slash sos dot ga dot gov to make sure you're registered again ballot requests slash sos dot ga dot gov and one of the things our um son-in-law 
soon to be son in law oh, yeah. is doing is so he's a comedian, but of, of course he's on hold right now. So uh, another thing he likes to do is play video games, and he's made it. He and a group of his friends are um, raising money for the Georgia runoff um, by playing video games, and you can sponsor them um, for however, like like ten cents or twenty five cents a, or more uh, a win. And I guess they're, ex- or they're a kill or whatever they are, whatever the things are. Yeah, whatever it's called. We don't know video they games. They figure they're gonna get. They're gonna get like a hundred to two hundred each kills. person. So you can you can sponsor them for each kill, and I, I don't know why we're calling it a kill because it's not a kill. It's just a win. It's it's a, but it's not like a win of a game. It's like a win of like every time you shoot a thing, pew pew. No, it pew. is the win of a game. Is it? Yeah. I thought it was like pew ten cents, pew ten cents. Okay, pew so, pew twenty okay. cents. Oh my god. So anyway, um, let me just say, they've got these forms you can fill out to pledge. For, to, and I think we did, I did 25 cents per elimination. Or it is called elimination. Um, oh, an elimination. Dona- donations, Which actually sounds more disgusting to me than kill, but that's Maybe just I made me. that word up. Anyway, um, <laughs> donations are being collected after the event and donated directly to Black Voters Matter. Um, to support the flipping of the Georgia Senate. Um, you can tune in to watch the event live on twitch.tv slash super trashed bros exclamation point. Um, so I think this is on smash the vote. You can sign up to, to sponsor him and the money. Brandon. Brandon Garner. Garner Or B Garns. Yeah. But if you go to the form, it'll, it'll say Brandon Brandon is one of the people and you can, um, you can give him as little as 10 cents per one, you know. And then, and what's, what's the link? Is Brandon Garns? No, it's Smash the Vote. I'm not exactly sure. This thing that he sent, it, it's like, it Smash the Vote, but it, this says docs.google.com, so I'm confused. Well, you're going to have to put that on your, um, on your you Instagram. You know what I should do? He probably has it on his Instagram, right? Let me go. So there. go to B Garns, B A B G A R N Z. That's it. On Instagram. Um, follow him. Find that link. It's not a post, but it will be. It will be. We're going to post that. Oh, the sure. link is in his bio. Link is in his bio. There. See? Smash the vote. Yeah. It's docs.google and it's smash the vote. The link is in B, at B Garns. B-G-A-R-N-Z. And then in the meantime, donate to um, Stacey Abrams' um, Always. Fair Fight. John Ossoff and uh, uh, Raphael Warnock um, for Senate. And let's... Uh, Let's get some shit done. Let's get out of this Jesus. pandemic. The big gag is uh, we got oh, some we vaccines even, coming. Yeah, and we didn't even speak about the vaccines, but um, this is our real, episode over? Real, real quick question. Are you going to get the vaccine when it comes out, babe, or no? Um, I Well, here's the thing. I think the vaccine is going to be required uh, for, for people to work oh, realistically well, in a while. Um, so I'm going to have to get it at some point, but I'm not rushing to get it, no. Uh, I'm the opposite. I am all in for the vaccine. I think the sooner we all get the vaccine, the sooner we can all get the fuck back to work. And that's, uh, that's it, it, me. That is true. That is true. But I need for people to take it for a little while first. All right. Well, that was a great a great episode, babe. I think we covered all you the seem bases. Very impatient, all of a sudden. Well, we're, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the time. How long is it been? We're getting a, we're about a minute away from being in for an hour. Well, they should be grateful. I have. <laughs> This is not necessarily uplifting, but I saw this. It's semi-political, but I saw this uh, article um, by a German writer uh, whose name is Jochen Bittner. Okay. And I'm going to leave you with this. 100 years ago, amid the implosions of Imperial Germany, powerful conservatives who led the country into war refused to accept that they had lost. Their denial gave birth to arguably the most potent and disastrous political lie of the 20th century, the Dolchstoss Legende, or stab-in-the-back myth. Its core claim was that Imperial Germany never lost World War I. Defeat, its proponents said, was declared but not warranted. It was a conspiracy, a con, a capitulation, a grave betrayal that forever stained the nation. That the claim was palpably false didn't matter. Among a sizable number of Germans, it stirred resentment, humiliation, and anger. And the one figure who knew best 
how to exploit their frustration was Adolf Hitler. Mm. Well, that was uplifting. And scene. <laughs> what the fuck? It was the best I could do. Yeah, short notice. See you, in, uh, see you next week, everybody. Don't forget to uh, don't forget to send in your questions. <laughs> yes, please remember to send in your questions for Ask Grammy, who will be here next week. Grammy will be here. And uh, donate. Okay. Bye. It's good. The Swirl with Free and Dave was created using Anchor, and you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We hope you'll subscribe, and if you want to tell us how we're doing, please leave us a rating or a review. If you'd like to follow us on social media, I'm Brianna Marie, and he's Dave Lyrics. Music for this podcast is by Bo Black. Thanks for listening, everybody. Look forward to having you back for the next episode. Taste the swirl, everyone. Bye.